encoding. Okay, we'll play your theme song. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Petito. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. And in time, this too shall pass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Jerry Petito taught the class. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Loves the answer, the greener grass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. One day at a time, free at last. When you don't know just what to do. Just what to do, just what to do. If what you're feeling is really true. It's really true. Really true. Just keep your ideas safe and sound. Safe and sound, safe and sound. That's exactly how change is found. Change is found, change is found. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. And in time, this too shall pass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Jerry Petito taught the class. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Loves the answer, the greener grass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. One day at a time, free at last. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. So, today I have two really, really cool guests, really incredible people. Um, Anyone out there who knows me knows I'm the author of I'm Not an Addict, I'm Just an Ass. I'd rather be a smartass than a dumbass. Because, guys, 28 years ago, I was a dumbass. Today, I'm a smartass. You know, and yes, the word ass is in the Bible because I've been challenged by other Christians. That means donkey. And I was a donkey. Okay, guys? So, my two guests are beautiful people inside and out. Um, I haven't gotten to meet them yet. And I really don't even have a lot of facts on them. Okay, but rumor has it from a good mutual friend of ours, Pastor Mark Scafidi, that they're great people. Um, I can tell you two things. Uh, you know, I do know that Joe is really handsome. And he, and he listens very well, and his wife is older than him. I can tell you that much. <laughs> and, I, and I will tell you this. She makes him look really good, okay, guys? Really good. I really don't know a lot of facts. <laughs> so I have them, I have them here. Um, introduce yourselves, guys, and then I want to read a poem that I actually wrote out of my book, um, and then we'll get started. So, I'm Sandy Quinones, and I'm the good-looking one, Joseph (laughs) Quinones, and we are out of uh, Pennsylvania, and we own God's Mountain Recovery Center, which is located right outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Very cool. Sandy, when you talk, sweetheart, just speak a little louder. Okay. All right. So, Steve, just let me know how the sound is when they're speaking as well. Thank you. So, um, Steve is in the room. He's the owner of Remember Then Radio. And um, he, you know, he's awesome too. And his wife is also awesome. Um, You know, I just love this opportunity to put all this out there. And they're giving this, giving us a great platform today. So, I want to. Thank you. Yep. I want to read a poem, guys, that I wrote in my book, um, just to get it started, because my my listeners are always looking for a poem, okay? And I will get a chance to write a poem about you guys as well. So, this one is called Change, Your Choice. I had a life-changing moment that I knew had to be. The only way to change things was to first start with me. So, I looked in the mirror and woke up one day and thought to myself, I needed to pray. So I asked God to change me, to help me stay strong, to clean up my mess, to right what's been wrong. I cleaned up my diet. I cleaned up my room. I cleaned up all habits with this old dirty broom. I kept going forward and never looked back. I refused to derail, stayed on the right track. I realized my worth and all that did matter through my selfish behavior, the lives I had shattered. I finally decided at 30 years old to stop abusing my body, my mind, heart, and soul. My life-changing choice that I had once made, over 28 years now, guys, my debt has been paid. So you read all my thoughts on how to stay clean. It's all or nothing, my friend. There's no in-between. To live or to die is a choice you must make. Your life is not worthless. You're not a mistake. One day at a time is the slogan you've heard. It works if you work it while applying his word. For you to get healthy, for your mind not to fail, escaping reality will keep you in jail. With addictive behavior, sex, drugs, food, or money, substituting addictions, now isn't that funny? I'm not an addict. This too shall pass. I'm not an addict. I'm just an ass. May the good Lord bless and guide you. So that poem is in my book, guys. Beautiful. Love that. 
Um, so let's let's talk about your story and you know what brought you guys to this point. Tell everyone about first of all God's Mountain, and that's a recovery center for women only. It's a facility, correct? Yeah. Tell everyone about that. So let's talk about how God's Mountain actually even existed. Yes. So about a year and a half ago. I was praying, I was asking God what should really happen in my life at this stage. Because we were getting ready to retire and move to Florida. And a church up in Peckville, which is right outside of Scranton, called me and asked me if I would be willing to come in and give them some tax advice. Because I'm an accountant by trade. Okay. said, no problem. So I went up there and we were talking about um, opening up a daycare center and what the legalities of that would be. And then they mentioned to me that somebody had donated this property to the church, which was a youth retreat center, and um, they were wondering what I would do if it was me. Hmm. So my first reaction was possibly make it a bed and breakfast because the ski lodges are very close to the facility. But I told them I would get back to them, um, and we would discuss it further. Well, on my drive home, which is a little over two hours, I heard a voice say to me, you asked, and here it is. <laughs> Wait a second. Hold on. Hold that thought. So tell everyone who you are. You talk about the church. Uh, wait, who I am? Yes. So I'm an accountant by trade. Okay. Um, and I also um, have several thousand clients between New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, and I have a lot of um, clients that are churches. Got it. So typically, and and they're usually with the Assemblies of God, because I pretty much spend a lot of time with that particular organization doing accounting for many, many churches. Gotcha. So they'll call me and ask me to consult with them for various reasons. And are you a man of faith? I'm a man of faith, yes. I'm actually a licensed minister. That's where I was going, yep. I'm a licensed minister. Um, I actually got licensed a little over 10 years ago. not really sure why I was getting licensed, but I did get licensed. And I also, um, through that license, have been doing a lot of marriage counseling. Got it. My grandmother was a minister in New York for 50 years. Wow. One, One of the first. Italian Assembly of God ministers way back in the day, and the church is still in existence. It's in the Lower East Side of Manhattan on Henry Street. Um, and I remember as a kid spending many nights, many days, um, praising God for hours upon hours upon hours. And who would have thought almost 50 years later, here I am fulfilling, <laughs> or almost some ways, um, fulfilling the calling that God had put on my life when I was a child. That's incredible. Okay, continue your story, because that's what I wanted you to tell them about you being a minister. Okay. Okay, so, on my way back home, which again is a little of a two-hour drive, I hear a voice say, you asked, and here it is. <laughs> and I started to left. I didn't understand really what that meant. So, I came home, I was puzzled for a couple of days, decided to go on a fast for a couple of days, and to be honest with Jerry, I didn't hear a single thing. Okay. So I was even more puzzled at that point. Um, the church calls me back and says, you know, can you come back up and help us uh, finalize the, uh, the daycare center? I said, no problem. So I drive back up. We go into the meeting, and we're discussing the daycare center, and then the property gets brought up. They said, Joe, have you thought about that mountain? And all of a sudden, out of my mouth, shoot, I'll buy it. Wow. And we're like, what? And I they said, what are you going to do with it? And again, all of a sudden, out of my mouth, drug rehab. And that's sort of like the beginning to end of the story. Um, since that portion, we have um, really spent a lot of time meeting a lot of people um, in the recovery world. Me personally, I've never done a drug. Um, so it was very, very new to me. And I've, I've come to realize that, you know, God's power is so strong that no matter what people are facing or whatever their quote-unquote drug is, God is the answer to that. That's right. 
That's right. Absolutely. I'll get into a little bit of my story as well. So, Sandy, what would you like to talk about? Tell us your background. Well, my background isn't as wholesome as his. I was once myself an ass. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying Jerry. I'm being very quiet right now. But I am not now, but it's been a journey where I've, I've learned the hard way, as uh, my mother always said, that I had to learn everything the hard way. Me too, Sandy. But um, that's good because I'm, I'm a survivor and... You know, I feel like once you learn things the hard way, you really learn them. So, um, so I've had, um, so my heart is, is in the recovery business. Um, I've had a long history of alcoholism in my family, starting with my father who um, abandoned his family and, you know, made for a very rough childhood for us, mm. um, leaving my mother to have to take care of all of us. And um, actually, I didn't see him, I had lost touch with him and hadn't seen him for 15 years, and then um, I finally found him, and he came to visit all of us, there's four of us, four kids, he came to visit us in July, and he died that September. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, and that was really a God thing, how we found him, um, someone just called me out of the blue, a member of my family down in West Virginia where we live, and um, said that they had found him, and... So it kind of started there, and then I married an addict who was clean when I married him, um, clean six years, and he stayed clean for 20 years, and then um, went to the doctor, hurt his shoulder, got on pain medicine. It's a very typical story um, with the drug companies and, and pain medicine and opiates, and they put him on Vicodin, and then he was off to the races again. And so our... Our very nice life um, was ruined because he, you know, he just devastated the family once again. And um, so then my son had an issue, not quite so bad, um, but he had a a problem a few years spent with drugs. And he's doing really well now. And just um, a little over a year ago, my daughter, um, she was also doing drugs. I had to throw her out of the house, um, which anybody knows was the hardest thing that I ever had to do because she was 18 years old. And um, she she spent a little while out there and it was devastating. You know, it's um, it was devastating for her. Um, she's doing really well now, but it's also really devastating for the families. Um, more of my heart is there because I went through that. And it's like a... Um, I was thinking about it this morning. It's like a robber coming into your house and you're tied up and you're watching someone torture your child and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so I, I actually refused to accept that and um, prayed and fasted for her for two weeks and find, God answered my prayer and got her off the street on the 14th day. So oh, It was wow. pretty amazing, you know, um, I was on my face praying for her because there was, I knew the devastation of drugs and there was no way while I still had breath that I was going to let my child go down that road. And so, you know, my, my heart is, is in the recovery business. My heart is in the business of helping people. My heart is in the business of helping addicts, helping families that are connected to addicts. I actually wrote a book about the whole experience, the whole journey that I had with her because you know, God, when you really seek God on a high level like that, he really shows up for you. In, insane. You are absolutely right. What's the name of your book? Um, it's called Saving Grace. Okay. So, um, that, and that's not her name, but, the, you know, um, her story is her story to tell. You yes. Know? And, uh, and I try not to get yes. super personal. Yes. But I love the title on so yes. many levels, you know? Um, yeah. So, I want I want to say a few things, uh, touch base on a couple of things that you referenced. You know, God, and you know when we really put our faith in Him, and you know addiction and what happens. And um, you know, I my book, I I have a little different take on addiction and recovery. Um, things have to make sense to me, and you know, thirty years ago, I put myself in uh, Princeton House. 
And I did everything they said when I came out for the first 30 days. I got a sponsor. I went to meetings. And I'm going to be honest, I wanted to shoot myself. Yeah. I'm in these rooms. And, and my book says, I never tell anyone not to go to meetings because if that's your only support system, you must go. So I don't, I don't say that. But what I yeah. do say is if it's not working, do, find God. Because here's the thing. Um, if you really truly want to change your life and, you know, stay in recovery, so to speak. I don't even use that word. This is what I teach. I, You know, I'm a nutritional health coach now as well. And um, I've been all over the world. I've traveled all over the world, guys, with recovery, with um, health. I went to Russia when it was communist through Lenox Hill Hospital. So I've really done my research. I've been in labs. I mean, I've studied the brain. And this is how I feel, that it is not a disease. It is a choice. Now, let me, let me um, you know, say something about that. What addiction is, it's a dis-ease of the brain cells while using. So that's yeah. a fact. It's a dis-ease of the brain cells. Even if it's sex, if it's gambling, your brain cells are altered. In six months, six months to a year, I could get somebody to never have a craving again. And we have to bring God into the mix, and we have to change our diets, and we have to change our mindsets. So here I was in these meetings every day saying, hi, I'm Jerry, I'm an addict. You know, I'm like, and all we're talking about is drugs. And I'm like, no, 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 this is not okay. This doesn't make sense. Only 7%, about 7%, it's a very small amount of people actually stay clean and sober through these programs. So that means to me, something's wrong. They need to look outside of that because it would be a much higher percentage if this was right. And I'm going to tell you why. When you tell an addict they have a disease and they're powerless over it, they have now lost all faith. To them, there's no reason to stay clean. That's number one. Number two, here's the hypocrisy of that statement. They tell the family members, and you mentioned how you had to throw your daughter out. They tell the family members your loved one has a disease and is powerless over it. But you need to let them hit rock bottom, even if it means throwing them out, and even if it means not giving them money, no food, take their car. If your child truly had a disease that they were powerless over, we wouldn't kick them to the curb, and we wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? So that's hypocritical right there. So they they have a dis-ease of the brain cells while it's happening, but they have choices, and here's the proof. If they can choose while they're in the midst of their disease and their addiction how they're going to get their next fix, they know everything. They're brilliant. They can figure out when the parent is coming home, where they're going to put their wallet, where they're going to put their pocketbook, how to get the book, on and on and on and on. So they're not powerless and they are making choices. Yeah. So that's my take on it. Um, Pastor Mark. Uh, he's a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours, and I can tell this funny story because, uh, Joe, you mentioned how if you ask God, he will tell you, okay? And, you know, your personalities are very similar to mine, sarcastic and all that, and I fight with God. I argue with God, and God knows he has to hit me over the head. I'm not that nice person where he can just say something gently and I listen. No, he has to bang me over the head. So... This is a funny story, and it, and it has something to do with Pastor Mark. So I'm an Elvis fan, and my entire garage is Elvis. I have an Elvis poker table I had made, and uh, a new Christian posted something and said, even if we idolize singers or you know uh, actors, we're idolizing them, and it's not okay with God, and we need to get them out of our lives. Well, I laughed, and I said, all right, Lord, this is a tough one. I said, God... If you don't want me to have my Elvis stuff, I won't have it. But you have to let me know. And you have to really hit me over the head with this one. I kid you not. The next day, I get a text from Pastor Mark. Jerry, um, I, give me your address because I have. he moves away from us here. So he's over an hour away now. And he said, Jerry, give me your address. I have something that I thought you would like. He says, I thought of you when I saw it. So send me your address. I don't think nothing of it. I sent him my address. Within a week, I get a package from him. His mother was an Elvis fan, and when she passed away, he's had four 
uh, 45s in the old-fashioned thick cardboard covers back then of Elvis songs. And he's looked at these for years in his closet. All of a sudden, that day, he looks at him and says, oh, Jerry should have these. Now tell me that wasn't God, okay? He hit me over the head. So I was like, all right, God, I don't have to get rid of my stuff now. So I, I agree with you, Joe. God is, if we, if we ask him, he will tell us. He will tell us. So, so tell us more about now what you guys offer. Tell us, you know, um, about your faith-based sober living facility because that's really truly what it is. Yeah. So we have, um, we do have the clinical program that is um, gender specific for women only. Okay. On on that side of the um, of the program, we just focus on issues that are indicative to the female population. And offer programs that um, women can relate to and struggles and that they have that are unique to them. So we offer um, groups on body image issues, um, aromatherapy we do over there. Um, we do your regular cognitive-based therapy. We do some DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. So all of our programs on that side are geared toward gender-specific for women. Um, so we, we created a very safe, comfortable, distraction-free atmosphere um, for, for them to be able to really share their heart and really be able to open up and uncover the root of the dilemma. Okay. Because you're right, you know, um, no matter what got them into that situation, there is a root, and there's a reason why they made that choice in the first place. Yes. So um, that really needs to be uncovered and dealt with. Yes. So that they don't continue to make the same choices, you know, almost like what you're saying is rewiring the brain chemistry, Yes. you know, and teaching them how to think a different way about things. So um, that side of it's like that. So our sober living situation is a beautiful newly renovated facility that we have. It's 40 beds and it's um, on the top of a mountain overlooking the Lehigh Valley up there. It's just really, really beautiful and serene. As soon as you step on the property, you can just feel it's different mm. and that God is up there. And over there, we have a beautiful chapel in there, and we do most of our faith-based programming in there. When the women get up in the morning, they'll do a daily devotional, you know, get up, have breakfast, do a daily devotional, um, go over to therapy on the counseling side. And then at night, we've been taking them to church. We've been taking them to Overcomers Outreach. We've been taking them to the local women's AA meeting. Um, we are doing Bible study in, in the sober living situation. Um, so we're offering pastoral counseling, marriage counseling for families over there. Wow. Because, you know, as we all know, when you have an addict, a child that's an addict, or even a spouse that's an addict, it wreaks havoc on the whole family. Yes. So, and usually, a lot of times, relationships really suffer because of it. So we're also offering that in, in our sober living quarters. So it's just, and people have been responding really well to the faith-based part of the program. Wow. So because, yeah, like you said, you know, you really need, people really need an encounter with God and really need to find their purpose. And, you know, we believe that everyone was put on this earth with gifts and a purpose. Yes. For the world. And, you know, it's really our heart and our job over there to help them uncover what that is. Because That's beautiful. Yeah, because we feel, and, you know, I've seen it happen, that when a person realizes what that is, and they really they really want to go after that, really want to go after God to uncover those gifts, then there's nothing stopping that person. That, that, that replaces the drug right wow. there. You are so right. You said that so beautifully. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. You said that so beautifully. So, yeah. Joe, what would you like to say? So, like, so Sandy's role is obviously a little different than my role. Okay. So she'll go in um, as the, um, as, still as a soldier. I'm going to say a soldier because that's probably the right word at this point. But a soldier that also has a ton of grace, 
love and mercy. Um, so, and, and her being a nurse by trade, oh. the uh, the softness is very um, therapeutic for not just for the patient, but especially for the for the family. Um, you know, I, I can relate. So, when we have a, a new patient coming in, and actually, um, the patient's parents happen to be driving by, and they came up to the mountain. They said, you know, we just, we saw the sign, and we never heard of God's Mount Recovery Center, and they asked me what it was all about. So I spent an actual hour with them, and what I found out was, I think my role, besides being at, on the pastoral side, it's more at the parental side, because I could relate being on the other side of that, where I had, you know, our daughter go through this, and seeing how it really could rip a family apart. Okay. Um, and I have many clients um, that have had children that have been passed away, and even to this point where they, you know, they end up getting divorced, and at that point, some of them are even doing drugs themselves at the end of this. So I feel like my role as, as a pastor, yes, I spend a lot of time praying with, with the women that are in there. Uh, we spend a lot of time talking, and we do try to get down to the root of the problem, which Again, from a pastoral side, we know the root of that is sin. Right. So, you know, and again, we're, we're very delicate. Um, you know, I, 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 I never believed that throwing the Bible down somebody's throat would ever be effective. Right. So I've had to learn over the years that the only way to do this, which my wife always smiles when I say it, because it's her words, or the mind is that love conquers everything. Yes. And you know, it's hard when you're going through the, when you're going through the struggle or, you know, the last thing you want to do is love somebody. You really want to punch them. Okay, and, you know, I love this. Yes. You know, <laughs> you know, love is the last thing. I mean, you love them, but it's one of those, <laughs> those bittersweet loves, you know? Like you want to just take them, like you said, you just want to throw them against the wall. and like, like, come on. But the truth is, when you are able to get past that emotion and see things from a spiritual side, the truth is they really do need love because that's where the problem is. Um, and I feel that at this stage, I- I've been able to uh, at least give the women um, something to think about because we can't change. Now, I can't change them. It's not my job to change them. It's my job to give them the facts, present it to them, and ultimately they have to make that decision for themselves. Um, and what I found out is the more time I spend praying with them, the quicker the turnaround, uh, which has been amazing to watch, to see the transformation of somebody coming in that had no hope to now having a smile on their face and having peace in their life, which mm-hmm. is what we've seen at God's Mountain at this stage. Wow. And again, why do, why do I say that? Is because the spiritual side of, addi- of the addiction recovery business, so to speak, is really where you need to be. You know, I, you could talk to somebody until you're blue in the face. Unless they have a divine intervention with God, it's going to be a, a, a pretty difficult uphill battle for them. Right. And that's, so, so that's sort of been my, 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 my place at this stage. Um, you know, where it goes from here, I, I don't know. But that's where I've been on the, in this portion. And since it is women only, I'm probably, I'm the only really male up there. Okay. And, we, and we're trying to keep it that way because... We felt even when our daughter went away um, to you know to the re- to a recovery center that we didn't really feel comfortable with the co-ed side, and I wanted her to be safe. I Me, mean, this was you know a nineteen-year-old you know youth, and I I, I just didn't feel that um, I agree they, commingling with male and female, especially having the emotional yes. uh, trauma that they're going through. They don't need they don't need the extra stress. Agree. So right. So when God put this on my heart. It came down to women only, and as you all know, most of at least most of the addicts are mostly men. Yep. Um, and we felt that you know what, we're not going to make this about a financial gain because at this stage of our life, this is where God actually put it in my spirit to do it. Because I would, truth be told, I probably would have never um, entered into something into a transaction such as this. Because again, we were ready to retire and move to Florida, which is where we have a vacant house at this stage wow. um, that, I, that I'm going to have to put up for sale because that's not what God wants me as we speak. Wow. Well, I'm going to read one more poem. I might read two today. I'm going to read the poem in my book called Faith. 
okay? Because okay. you're right, without God, okay? Faith. Put your faith in something greater. Do it now. Don't wait till later. Lord my God, please keep me sane. I need a switch to shut off my brain. When I feel shattered, broken, and torn, when I ache and cry, tired and worn, you lift me up and wipe my tears. You whisper gently to have no fears. For my free will has lost control. To get it back will be my goal. I need to just have faith in you. There's nothing more that I can do. That's my poem on faith, because without God, I would probably be dead myself. And that's the truth. Um... You know, everybody talks about the higher power. And, you know, again, things have to make sense to me. And I, and I, this is what I, you know, when I counsel people, I say this to them because I'm also a recovery coach. Um, and I say this to them. I say, everyone out there actually acknowledges that they need a higher power. So think about that for a minute. Because if we had to go through life thinking we are it, I'm it. I don't think I'll be okay with that. I want to know something bigger and greater than me has my back. You know? Um, So the faith factor is just incredible that you guys, you know, listened to God, first of all, and brought this into it. And as far as the safety for the women, I absolutely agree. 100%. Um, you guys even have a pool there, recreational, right? All this is going on now. You have a chapel on site, right? Yeah, so we have a chapel on site um, that we keep open every day, and we have um, Christian music being played throughout the day. Um, in the facility itself, we have Christian music being played just to keep the atmosphere um, where it needs to be. We have um, a full uh, Olympic-sized, uh, pool that's indoors, which is actually in a greenhouse. We have workout equipment. Uh, so if the girls need to go on the treadmill, on the elliptical, we have weights. Um, we have pool tables. We have ping pong tables. Uh, we also take them out on the weekends um, to do uh, some kind of recreation, depending upon you know what they're feeling you know during that day. Uh, we went canoeing a couple months ago with the girls down in Lackawanna Park, which was enjoyable. We take them shopping, oh. which is always a, a fun thing. And, you know, since, since, you know, I don't mind getting a manicure and pedicure, I'll take them for a manicure and pedicure as well. So, wait, I got a comment on that. So, I owned I a beauty... Okay, but no, you're not going to believe this. I owned a beauty salon. Um, that was my life for a very long time. And I, I specialized in manicuring and pedicuring. And my dad, you know, rest his soul, he loved it. And my brother loved it. And my grandson is 18 now, but my grandson used to let me do it. And if someone walked in, he would say, she's making me do this. But he secretly loved it. Okay? So I agree. And I hope you get them with with them. Yeah. Well, what, what, what our, our next phase, um, which we're planning on doing next year, um, probably sometime toward the summer, is that we're actually going to build a uh, like a spot in the facility where we'll have... Um, a steam room. We'll have um, do, be able to do manicures, manicures, pedicures, massages. Because we just feel that you know, when when you're in a facility and you're away from your family for such a long period of time, you know, you, sometimes you lose yourself. Yes. Um, and, and you get and, and again, at times it can get very lonely. And although you know, we always look for the inner beauty. Um, I know that the women, when they look at themselves, sometimes they don't see what we see and I we, we felt that putting a spa will allow them just to feel good about themselves um, and you know just on the natural side which will also help them um, just gain some more um, self-esteem um, and just give them a different change of attitude how far away is this from like the Trenton area Trenton New Jersey it's about two hours two hours so it's in Waymar, Pennsylvania okay. um, which is about 20 minutes outside of Scranton wow it's, sort of, it's right off it's not too far off of the turnpike if you're taking the Pennsylvania turnpike up north um, you would actually get up at the Scranton exit and, and then it's about a 30 minute drive from there oh my goodness I wish you were closer I would actually work with you I know I wish you know it's just this is where it is at this stage but you know I think being where we are even though it's sort of um, sort of it's in the sticks 
I mean, again, I, I know somebody here from Brooklyn. And I'm from Brooklyn too, so you know, we we had, we had like one tree on the on the block over here. I'm surrounded by trees. Yeah, but the truth is, it's tranquil. Yes, and I see that it's um, you know you could breathe up there. You know, fresh green you know air that you can't have in New Jersey where we all live, and and in Philadelphia, no such thing. Wow. Um... Wow. Well, I would love to give you guys some nutritional coaching, free, of course, you know, to help with the nutrition aspect up there and even, you know, the beauty end of it. I'll give you some tips. I think it's an incredible, incredible thing. Um, imagine back in the day, me being able to be in a spa. <laughs> I love spas, okay? <laughs> That's so cool, guys. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so now... Um, I want to talk a little bit about your chapel on site, okay? Because I'm just loving this. So, um, Sandy, I'm sure not everyone are Christians that come to it, correct? Yeah. Okay. Do they also, like, welcome all that? They welcome the chapel and the Christian music? Well, so far, um, yeah. So, so far, there's only been a few that, that haven't really had a Christian faith. Okay. Um, so those people that I'm thinking of were very receptive to it. Beautiful. Very receptive. But, you know, that being said, um, you know, we believe in meeting people where they are, and we know that a relationship with God has to grow. Yes. You know, so we're in the business of planting seeds. Yes. And, you know, those seeds need to be watered. So, you know, if someone's very resistant to Bible study, let's say that they're Jewish, um, we can provide an alternative spiritual class. Okay, there cool. Right. To be able to plant a seed so that, you know, it has to be their choice anyway. Right. Because you can't force a, a faith on someone. No. You know, faith is something that has to be very personal and very right. internal. And um, so we're, we're not we're not into doing that. But, you know, so far, everyone has been very receptive to those programming, that programming, they've been very receptive to it. So we don't find it so far to be an issue. But, you know, we don't even believe that it's Christian like to turn somebody away because they have a different. Amen. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) I just had to say that. (laughs) Yeah, that's not that's not, um, you know, in my opinion, in my belief, that's not a Christian thing to do. I don't believe that Jesus would have done that. Right. And I'm not going to. Right. Um, yeah, I want to throw something out there. So there is there are two incredible, incredible videos, and I'm sure you you probably have seen both of them. And I share them constantly throughout the year. Um, and everyone loves the videos, regardless of their faith. Um, one of them is a young man, and he says, "Why I hate religion, but love Jesus." And that's an incredible video, and I love that one. And the other one is my favorite. The church pew or the bar stool. Have you guys seen that one? No, but I'm going to write it down. Church pew or the bar stool. Now, this is why it's my favorite, and it, it, it has a piece of my heart along with it. I had a poker league. I'm a poker player and dealer. I had a free poker league, okay? No money exchange. It was for gifts. Um, okay. All over Mercer County in Matawan. I had it for 10 years. It was called Ms. Night Owl Poker. And I gave it up two years ago. So the last couple of years, I struggled with the league because they brought online gambling back and people weren't coming out. And anyway, so I would pray to God and say, all right, Lord, I really want to get rid of the league. But so many people accepted Jesus through this league. Yeah. I kid you not. So... The last year, okay, I said to God, I'm arguing with God in the morning, and I said, God, I'm done. I really want to give up this league. I'm getting older. I'm getting tired, okay? I said, but you have to let me know I can. Well, you're going to laugh, guys. That night, the game was at Hooters in Mercer Mall. Okay. Now, Hooters. Now, let me tell you guys out there, if you're judging these young women, please don't. Because I got to know mostly all of them, and a lot of them are there working to put themselves through school. Some are becoming nurses. A lot of them, listen, most of them believe in God, but they have no help. They have no financial help. And um, 
again, you know, I don't judge anyone because we don't know what their background and their past was. So these women were beautiful and putting themselves through school. So having said that, that particular night, the game was at Hooters. And we run the game. The game is over, but everybody's hanging out outside, smoking, doing whatever. I go to leave, and the young manager is sitting up against the glass on a high stool with a table. And he says, Jack, come over here. And there's two of his friends at the front of the table sitting on stools. So I'm standing, talking through them at him. I put my phone down. On one side of my phone case were my grandchildren, and on the other side, it's Elvis and Jesus in heaven. So I just put my phone down. It could have been on either side. And the kid, the young guys start laughing. And I say, you know, why I'm a wise guy. Hey, what are you guys laughing at me? You know? And they're like, no, look. And they're pointing to Jesus and Elvis. And the one kid says, he's like 25. And he says, you know what? I'm the biggest Elvis fan ever. And I'm a Christian. I said, well, I'm a bigger Elvis fan than you because I'm older. He says, I'll show you. He runs out to his car and brings me an Elvis CD. He goes, this is all I listen to. Well, God said, talk. He tells me, that's how he says it to me, speak. So I say to the other kid, what about you? Do you believe in Jesus? And he says, nope. And I said, why not? And he said, because if Jesus was real, this wouldn't be going on and this wouldn't be going on. I used to believe, but no more. You know, and I said, and God said, talk. So I said, I want to ask you a couple things. And I say a couple things. And I quote a couple things from the Bible that I think are important. And he looks at me and he starts crying. And he says, you're right. I need to pray. We went in my car and we prayed that night. Oh, that's and we came out and he's screaming, running through the parking lot. I just accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Oh, and, wow. But about two months later, God said it was time and I could give it up. So my point in, in telling you that story is, you know, um, the, the church pew or the bar stool. Any, anyone yeah. can be in a church, but you're edifying yeah. yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. For the most part, for the most part. Um, so I, I'd rather hang out with everyone. You know, people yeah. need us. And, and it doesn't matter what your faith is, you know, and I'm not saying, so your people need people. You know, we yeah. need that connection. And uh, yeah. that's who I am as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's who I am. People need love, not judgment. That's right. And they need us to be, you know, Christ followers and not Pharisees. Right. You know? And uh, just, like, preach judgment and, and what you're doing wrong and what you should be doing right. And, you know, people don't respond really well to that anyway. They, they do. They respond to love and acceptance. Yep. And that's who we are. Right the, yeah. You know, so... Yeah, my husband's right. I'm really good at that. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> so, hubby, what would you like to say? You know, I was thinking, you know, cause, you know, we spent a lot of time in prayer, you know, just on this ministry, that two weeks ago, we decided to come up with a prayer hotline. Oh. That's been very effective. Um, I've been actually managing the phone calls that come all through the night, usually, um, which is fine, but, you know, we're dealing with, most of the people that have been calling have been a lot of parents asking for prayer for their children, and I could hear the brokenness, oh. and it's been a good opportunity for us just to witness to them and to let them know that, you know, that, that there is hope, um, and it's been, it's been a, it's truly for me, it's been a, it's been a blessing um, to spend the time praying with them, and them just, you know, weeping on the phone and just saying, you know, do you really believe that, you know, there really is hope? And I'm like, yes, I, we really believe that with all of our heart. Um, and, you know, we, 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 talk, we actually have it on our website. Um, it's, you know, the number is 833-GOD'S-LOVE. And that's, wow. And that's, that's what we have. And um, we, we've gotten many, many phone calls. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to start pushing that because, you know, again, prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. And we always feel that you're just one prayer away from your healing. Wow. I I love that. I'm very impressed. That's incredible. So I might be calling it myself. <laughs> okay, good. So I love that. Um, wow. Uh, you know, it's important for everybody out there to understand that, ev- unfortunately, there's not... I'm, I think I encountered one person who was able to say to me, they didn't know anyone struggling with addiction. One person... 
in all these years, in 28 years. Um, so unfortunately, not too many people out there can say they don't know someone. And that's the sad part. Right. You know, it's just everywhere. And, you know, I'm going to tell you why I think it's everywhere now. I'm going to give you my opinion based on some facts that I have discovered. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little harsh now, guys, everybody out there who's listening, um, the pharmaceutical industry, the government, you know, they make it very difficult. They bring drugs into here. They test on people. Um, they make it very difficult for people to really stay clean and sober. I'm going to share something with you, Joe and Sandy that, uh, you may know, you may not know. I'm revising my book and this will be in it. I did not know this uh, four years ago when I wrote my book, okay? Yeah. Um, Bill W., one of the founders, if not the founder of AA, Mm -hmm. his intentions were incredible. They really were. And um, that's been tainted as well. But his intentions were incredible. He struggled with depression, suicide issues, you know, on and on, right? And... He got in touch with a good friend of his, and I. it was a doctor friend, and I believe the doctor friend was not American. He was from maybe, he might have been Indian, I'm not sure, I forget. But um, he said, I need help. And he said, I'm going to give you, um, oh my goodness, I cannot believe I just, my brain just went dead. Um, it's a vitamin that allows you to, oh, niacin, okay? And it allows your body to sweat. So he gave him the real McCoy, the real niacin, and he cured him. Months go by and he approaches AA, maybe a year went by, he approaches AA and he said, I'm proof, we have to give all the addicts niacin. And you know what they told him? It's not going to happen. The government filtrated AA by then and said, we need to keep them addicts. So people, people don't know this, but you could research that. And, uh, you know, now what's sad for me is I had a lot of my clients taking niacin and now because they don't like sweat, now niacin came out with the non-sweating one. That's just for money because it's not working. Yeah. So if you could sweat and purge, that's a big part of the healing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I will be putting that information in my, in my book when I revise it. Wow. Yep. So nutrition is key as well, you know. Um, is, it the, is it the sweating that is, is beneficial? It's beneficial. It's it makes your body purge, yes, the toxins out of the cells to start clearing the cells out. Wow. Yep. So maybe that, you know, has to do with the sweat lodges back in back in the day. That's the right. Did the sweat lodges. There you go. Yeah. Yep. And um, why exercise is also beneficial for those reasons as well? Yes. And, you know, but um, but exercise the way God intended it. Intended it. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. A lot of walking and, you know, not what they're doing now. You know, that was not right. meant for the human body. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. but, it, but it's incredible what's taken place and what's changed. And if we just listen to God and our bodies... I think we'd all be uh, in a lot better shape, mentally yeah. and physically, right? Yeah, you're right about that, yes. You know? Yeah, they say that you should spend um, an hour or so outside just earthing with your feet on the grass. Yep. Because it is the way that we used to absorb minerals from the soil, and now now we can't absorb those minerals from our food or from outside because our soil is so tainted. So there really is a lot of research on what you're saying yep. as well. Very interesting. I um, cured myself uh, almost 30 years ago of two cancers, colon and breast, without doctors. And I have doctors and nurses in my family, and we all love each other. Um, unfortunately, I did it through fasting. I did it through two months of water fasting. I brought a home colonic system in my home. But I had to go away and study under a man named George Malcolmus. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. No. He's a Christian man as well. And hallelujah acres he ended up opening up to teach fasting. They sent this man home to die. 
um, over 35 years ago. He's still alive. And he was probably in his 50s when I was in, you know, when I was 30, he had to be like 50. Um, And he is still alive through fasting. And that's who I studied under. Um, So I changed everything in my life. Um, My bed is organic. My uh, cleaning products, everything. Um, I'm now hooked up with my daughter. We drove uh, five hours away to go into the lab of this company called um, Pure Haven because for 28 years I was using organic products, but they started putting things in because they knew you wouldn't read the labels again. Yeah. You know, so now this company is 100% what they say. But everything in my home, I mean, all my food, I'm vegan. Um, you know, I've done everything in my power to maintain a healthy lifestyle. So, uh, and prayer, you know, prayer is at the top. Because without yeah. God, guys. So, we still have a few more minutes. So, what else would you guys like everybody out there to know? Um, well, we, we just... We just like everybody to know that we're we're there. We're um, right now just we're taking private insurance only. We're working on getting in network with a lot of the other insurance companies, but we just have gotten our Medicaid provider license. Mm. So, you know, so that's good. So things are moving along in that way. You know, like the insurance companies don't make things easy. You know, but um, we have God on our side, and God's in the center of this. So. You know we're gonna we're gonna be good. You know we're gonna be okay. God's gonna bring the people to us who need to be there. So we're just really happy to be open and just can't wait to hear from you guys. You know and call us for prayer. You know like that that really is where our heart is. Give me your prayer outline again. It's eight three three. I'm sorry. Wait. Say that again. So it's eight three three. Okay. God. G-O-D-S-L-O-V-E. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, um, is it, how long of a stay is it there? So, typically, um, again, every, every policy is different, but for the most part, um, 30 days um, where the patient will have six hours a day of counseling, um, and then after they completed their 30-day stay, we'll go over to an intensive outpatient program where they'll stay, I don't know, it could be 60 to 90 days um, with nine hours of counseling per week. So we're going to try to keep the up goal to keep them as long as we can. And even if the insurance company doesn't pay it, we're okay to scholarship, which is what we've been doing, just to try to help those that really need the extra boost. Um, Again, this is a God thing for us. We don't want to make it about the mighty dollar. Um, but, you know, it does cost money to run this facility. It's sure. a very large facility. Sure. You know, it has, tw- you know, it has 22 acres of property, and there's a lot of staff there. So, um, we, you know, we also have a foundation that we opened um, called God's Mountain Foundation, which is a 501c3 where people can actually donate yep. there that will help us um, help those that don't have the insurance that's necessary to come in. And um, it'll pay for their stay there. That's awesome. What about fundraisers? Do you guys do fundraisers? We plan on doing that, Jerry. We haven't done it yet just because we're just trying to get this thing going to where it needs to be at this moment. And uh, But we've been to several events um, just getting us out there. Okay, so um, I'm going to do yeah. a fundraiser for you guys. We're going to talk about it. It'll be at Friendlies in Robbinsville. That would be great. All right? We will we will discuss that privately. But everybody out there listening, I will put this out there when we get this organized. Friendlies in Robbinsville, we will do this fundraiser. Um, this, is, this is incredible. You guys are incredible. Um, you know, everybody out there needs to know that there's some something out there for them. Hope, help, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if people don't have the funds, you will take them anyway, correct? What we'll do is we will um, scholarship them okay. um, if necessary. Again, our, our main, um, right now, you know, we're working on getting New Jersey Medicaid Beautiful. Um, and New York Medicaid. So that most people will at least have that. So then we can bring them in and then we will scholarship them 
in at the um, the sober house. Okay. Uh, where they'll live, and you know, again, the foundation pays pretty much the, for the most part on anybody who does not have the insurance, um, and we keep them there again as long as necessary. Beautiful. And if we and if we can't um, help them after that ninety days, but so far we've been very successful with it because we know again one touch of. of of God really does help them um, without a question. Um, but if they needed additional and longer-term care, we have other um, companies that we are affiliated with that we could extend the care to them. It's beautiful. So we're coming to the close of the show. I'm going to be reading another poem, and then I'm going to play a song at the end. We're going to close with a song called Peace. Um, it's it's by Nick. Nikki Adio, it's a beautiful, beautiful song, um, and I think it's appropriate for today. But before we do any of that, you guys still have as much time as you need. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about or tell everyone out there? Um, you know, I, I also want to extend that, you know, you were talking about fasting, and I am a big proponent of fasting, done a lot of research on it. Beautiful. Um, most of the great thinkers, um, including Jesus himself, fasted. And um, I believe it's also God's word and uh, God's command to us that we fast because he knows that it's very beneficial and healing to our body, which you shared about. Um, so I, I also would like to extend that um, while I was praying for my daughter, I mean, on my face crying, you know, begging God, um, you know, I, I can't watch my daughter kill herself. And what I heard from God at that point was, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Mm. There's a story in the Bible, I believe it's in Mark, um, about that, where the disciples tried to help a boy, and they could not. And they asked Jesus why they couldn't, and he said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. So that's the scripture that I heard. Mm. And I said, okay, God, I'll do it. How long, and what do you want me to do? And um, I heard 14 days, and that's what I did. I fasted for 14 days and prayed and interceded for my daughter and learned through that time how to clean out my own heart and my own mind mm. so that I could be an effective intercessor for my daughter, keep myself in love. And um, so on the 14th day, I woke up and I said, okay, God, I, I've seen um, I've seen a change in her these past 14 days, but you're not a God who does things halfway. So today's day 14, and I expect my daughter home. Mm. And I went about my business, and during that day, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who, who was crying, and she said, your daughter called, and she wants help. She's ready. Mm. And this, this was day 14. And um, so that made a believer out of so many people to watch the power of God when you actually put your heart into something. And when you're fasting, your heart's in it, right? You're, yes. you, you have to. Your heart has to be in it. <laughs> you can't fast without God. <laughs> you, you can't fast without God. So um, I just want to extend that to anybody who, any parent, any any person out there who's struggling and who is, um, just desperate for help for their loved one, I would like to just put out there that I'm available for prayer and also for fasting and also to teach you how to do that. And I, I would I would be available anytime to help somebody with that because it was the most amazing thing that I've ever been through. It was the hardest thing that I've ever been through. But the most amazing thing and the, the most revelation of God's power that I've ever seen happen. And it just, it built my faith so much. And, you know, I know that it's part of what I'm put on this earth to do, speaking of purpose. And so I just would like to extend that, that I'm available for, for anyone who wants that. And wow. Um, you know, <laughs> I needed this show today. Okay, I think I probably needed this as much as anyone out there. Because I'm listening to you guys talk, and it's just uh, amazing. You know, you're bringing things to light for me as well. Um, I want to thank you guys, both of you, for being my guest today. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a great and informative show. Um, 
We're going to close in a couple minutes. Joe, is there anything you'd like to close with? No, I mean, just, just so you know, like I said, the final words I would say is if, there, if you're out there and you feel you're alone, just know that you're not alone, that God loves you and he has a plan for your life. Although you may not be able to see it at this moment, all you need to do is call his name and he will send down a legion of angels to come and rescue you and help you. And if we be any help on this earth for you, you call because you can count on us. Wow. That's beautiful. So, all right, guys, I'm going to read a poem, one last poem for you guys called Forgiveness. Okay, we'll start there. Forgiveness starts within yourself. Put all your trash up on a shelf. Don't forget what you have done, but clean it up one by one. Ask God to forgive you once and for all. Get off your high horse and learn how to crawl. To the people you hurt, you must make amends. Reach out to your family and all of your friends. If you truly are sorry, and this they will know, not by your words, but the actions you show. They may now forgive you, or maybe they won't. As for using and lying, I warn you, just don't. I'm not an addict. This too shall pass. I'm not an addict. I'm just an ass. So guys, I want to thank everybody out there, everybody out there who's listened to today, because I think it was one of the most incredible shows I've done on addiction and recovery. Um, so I want to say thank you out there. Um, Steve, I'm having a problem getting my song into the deck, and I'm not sure why it won't allow me to. So I was planning on playing this song for everybody out there, but for some reason it's not letting me. Um, I apologize, guys. So, but I want to say thank you again to everybody out there listening. I want to thank, say thank you to my guests, and I want to say thank you to Steve and Angel. Okay, she likes going by that. Okay, um, you know what? I'm going to give it one last shot in a different spot. Hold on a minute, guys. I want to see if I can pull it from. It's not letting me do anything. I don't know why. Um, I'm having an issue. I think my computer's locked up, Steve. No, it's not that. It's not letting me do anything. All right, so I might need you back in if I have to close out a different way. All right, guys, so thank you again, and uh, enjoy your day. Bye, guys. Um, Steve, hey, something's locking up in here. I don't. I. I. I, I did the auto. Just, I need your help. Let's go to Team View. We'll take a look. Okay. I don't know what just happened. It won't even let me. Uh, All right, it's letting me. It's letting me click on. Well, we'll go to Team View if you can bring up. All right, I, I was able to bring it up because it wasn't hidden. Because it's not letting me even move these things. Okay. Okay. So tell me the ID. Six two one. Six two one four two two five four one five four one okay and that and the password J P Y J P Y four one two four one two okay yeah every time I try to click on something even to move something it, it makes this ding ding sound and won't let me do it ah okay so that means that there's something hidden that okay what did I turn did I do the auto GJ right 
Yeah, that's done. Okay, good. Um, because if you refresh that, you'll see you have the stop button. Okay, good. Okay, so now let's close this. Close that. Now I want to show you something. Let me take the arrow for one second. See, it's not letting me do it. Yeah, it's... Okay. Let's see what's going on here in the background with Sam. Something got, like, stuck. Yeah. Um... Oh, my goodness. Let me see what's... If there's anything... On the other windows... 